<clears throat> lucrative field that it is. And I, I think that what drew me to it and what I loved about it and why I connected to poetry, reading it, writing it, is the same thing that connects me to this, to this lineage, to this tradition, to the way that we do things here, and to the way that I'm encouraged to do things here, up here. You know, with, with poetry, form and, and content really do depend on each other in a way that I think visual arts, you know, have uh, dominated, dominated that form and content sort of mixing and melding, but in, in the written arts um, and literature, I think that poetry has offered us uh, just a little slice of the, of the visual arts in its, in its form, in its various forms and its ability to, um, or its offering of flexibility and um, creativity and form. And that the form uh, can really inform the content and the content uh, can change the form of, of the poem. So even a simple kind of deciding where to, to put a line break and that's the content decides where to put the line break. You know, it's giving the reader some information about uh, how to read the content, how to take it, where to where to utilize that pause, um, what to emphasize. And the form of a of a poem gives us a lot more information about what to do with the content than say, you know, prose, kind of blocks of text on pages that go on and on. <clears throat> and the same, you know, to me arises in this tradition, in this, um, in this lineage and the way that we are invited, expected, encouraged uh, to do things, to look at things, to be with people, uh, to um, see how conditions are arising uh, and then <clears throat> um, use those conditions to reflect to understand, to observe, and you know, in our in our case, to use that framework, that lens of Dhamma, of the Buddhist teachings, uh, to filter the information, uh, to even filter the form that we find ourselves in, like um, to bring it down. <laughs> uh, to a more practical level for me, it's being in front of a group in this tradition uh, means, you know, having 
how to practice uh, having studied the teachings of the Buddha, uh, having lived by the Eightfold Path and the precepts to, to whatever degree <laughs> uh, possible. And then uh, being able to speak from my experience informed by the conditions that I've created in the past. Speak um, from my experience through that framework of Dhamma. And part of that is being in a room with people, uh, people whose faces I can see and who I know to some degree or uh, with whom I have that commonality of uh, maybe not even, you know, studying the Buddhist teachings or practicing in the same way, but having that commonality of interest in um, looking through the framework of the Buddhist teaching, looking through the framework of um, the, the Eightfold Path and uh, the precepts. <clears throat> and, you know, right now we're in a, in a form of transition, aren't we? We're, we're somewhat in person, we're somewhat, when I look down, I'm looking at you at home people because the screen is down. Hi, yes, hi, hi. So when I look, now you can see my eyes, but I can't see your eyes. And now I can see all of your eyes, but you can't see mine. So, you know, there you are, you're down there <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> uh, and when I look out here, you know, I see the people who are with, there you are. I see the people who are with me. Uh, and uh, it's the form does change the content a bit, doesn't it? We're not all together. And yet we are. Um, when I'm looking into this camera, I'm one who is being seen, but I'm not seeing anyone. <laughs> And when I look out into the room, I'm seeing all of you, uh, but not you. Hi, <laughs> I know, right? This is getting very like romper room meets Nietzsche or something. <laughs> and, you know, we can have a lot of feelings about forms and transitions, you know, and they can really rub us the wrong way, or we can really want to hang on to things, but we can really want to get through this this awkward dating phase that we're all in <laughs> and, uh, and get recommitted you know, to our uh, in-person Dharma relationship. But I think right now we just, we are where we are, right? And we have to be um, really, it will help us to be really confident in each other's intentions and uh, really respectful of each other's boundaries uh, and enjoy each other's uh, company in the way that uh, it's being offered. I think that's, that's where we are right now is kind of um, 
recognizing this transition and uh, trying not to hold it too tightly and recognizing that um, that things might not go back to the way they were. And who wants that anyway? Maybe some of us. For me, it's a, it's a, you know, people who like to avoid contact, eye contact, like I, like I do. <laughs> you know, the, the Zoom world was pretty good because my camera was never attached to my computer. So. So I could look at my camera. <laughs> and then when I was done having eye contact with my camera, I could look at the people. <laughs> and it was always just a little bit off. <laughs> and, you know, that suited me just fine. Um, but now it's a mix, uh, which is a little um, different. <clears throat> but I think, you know, the commonality here is uh, the the intention and the intention to to bring with us whether we're coming from our comfy overstuffed chairs or our uh, zappus and zapatons here in the room the intentionality the intention is to bring that framework with us to have it within to be observing and um, uh, thinking and acting from a place uh, that is informed by the Buddhist teachings. And so in that way, uh, the content, it doesn't change. You know, one of my favorite uh, reflections, one of my favorite things to do, the thing that brightens my mind uh, the practice that the Buddha taught to the lay people to brighten their mind was this, uh, you know, these recollections. And I know you've heard me bang on about the recollections because it's absolutely just my favorite and a really uh, a practice that's transformed my spiritual life. But the, the recollecting, you know, of the Buddha and the characteristics of the Buddha. Uh, the Buddha is sort of has this, I love this term, the, the ocean-like compassion, this enormous compassion, the ability to see suffering and meet it, uh, whether that's just a little stressor that someone's experiencing or you know, a huge pain that we're experiencing. And the Buddha had this, this capacity to see suffering and meet it and respond appropriately to it. The Buddha was um, really pure in his integrity. He was able to create safety for the people around him and uh, encourage his disciples and followers to create that kind of safe 
those safe spaces through um, the practicing of the precepts and you know, not lying and not um, stealing and not uh, sort of engaging in, in wrong relationships. The Buddha really held that space, that purity of behavior. <clears throat> the Buddha's wisdom. <clears throat> Of course, you know, was well developed. He found the Eightfold Path and followed it and used generosity and integrity and effort and mindfulness to create, to bring about a wisdom that allowed him to move through the world, responding appropriately to the conditions that arose. We can recollect those characteristics of the Buddha and aspire to them or uh, if that leads to too much comparing, you know, we can um, just see what it feels like to sit with them. Oh, if I was in the presence of the Buddha right now and I was suffering and he was holding ocean-like compassion, what would that feel like? Oops, I almost don't want to come back. <laughs> it feels really good <laughs> to imagine being in the presence of, I really, I could have just went <laughs> and rang the bell in another 25 minutes. <laughs> it feels good to even imagine sitting in the, in the presence of somebody who has the compassion, the capacity to hold whatever garbage I bring. <laughs> whatever amount of suffering. Or confusion or stress. That would be pretty cool. <clears throat> and we can also, you know, recollect the characteristics of the Dhamma. I was saying before that, um, no matter the form, if we're looking through the lens using the framework of the Buddhist teachings, then the Dhamma is available to us all the time. The Dhamma is, is timeless. It's outside of time and space. It's like, um, you know, the stream that we walk beside. And at any time, we can step into it. It's right there. 
No. Even if we're, we haven't been in it in a long time, we've really been, you know, not very mindful or the conditions are poor. We haven't been with community. No, once we remember that the Dhamma is there, the teachings of the Buddha, the Eightfold Path, um, the encouragement to have compassion and integrity, then we can step in. And the magic isn't in staying in. The magic is in remembering to step in over and over and over. That's mindfulness. Mindfulness, you know, sati, um, it, just, it just means to remember. To remember again and again, to recollect the uh, usefulness of something, the beauty of something, the skillfulness of something. And so, you know, we don't need to... Um, we don't need to give ourselves heck for forgetting, you know. We need to give ourselves um, a pat on the back for remembering, remembering to step back into the stream. And then we can, you know, we can recollect the the qualities of the Sangha too. And in the teachings, you know, they're that's referring to the, the Sangha of um, the, the monastics, the nuns, the um, people who have devoted their lives to this practice. Uh, and, you know, I think why that is, why that's the, the encouragement is um, because we really need models in our lives, you know. And for me, it's not even so much models of behavior or models of sila or models of practice even. It's, uh, I really get a lot out of somebody modeling the way that they hold themselves, a sense of dignity, of an ease in being with others. It puts me at ease. You know, recollecting how somebody holds themselves, what their tone is when they're challenged, um, how they respond under stress or difficulty or transition or change, that's a really, really big deal to me. And it's not something I've ever been able to be uh, sort of taught <laughs> with words. I have to see it for myself. You know, that's another uh, characteristic of the Dhamma. It's available to us to see, to uncover for ourselves. And one of the ways that we, we see it, we can uncover it, uh, is by um, being with or remembering the lifelong dedicated practitioners and how, how they are, how they behave. 
how they respond, how they hold us when we're emotionally fidgety and unpleasant to be around. How do, how do people who are well-practiced hold the space? It's no small thing, any space. <clears throat> and um, you know, my, I, I mean, the, the one thing that I would wish for everybody in the world is to have a really good preschool teacher, you know, for their kids or for themselves. Mine was Mrs. Gray. She rocked. My kids is, is Miss Anya. And a friend of mine um, has a has a Miss Virginia for her kids. Miss Virginia and her in her infinite wisdom, she says, if it's if it's easy, we we do it now. If it's hard, we do it together. If it's easy, we do it now. If it's hard, we do it together. And I love the surprise of that statement. I love that it's, it's unpredictable. Because what would the corollary be? If it's easy, we do it now. If it's hard, we do it later. Yeah. I like that. I could do that. I've done that. Or mm, if it's easy, we do it alone. If it's hard, we do it together. I mean, that sounds really unpleasant. <clears throat> but I do, I love that. Um, I love that invitation to community and the recognizing that the harder something is to do, the easier it is to do with support, with community, with sangha, with framework, with a shared lens. And like, um, you know, following the precepts. I probably shouldn't say this, but it's harder without you people, you know, at home with folks that uh, <clears throat> um, bug me <laughs> and aren't on the precepts, you know, can't really, uh, can't really, can't really rally a nine-year-old around this kind of big stuff. They don't care either way, you know, what my life goals are <laughs> at this point. They notice the results, you know. They hear me say, you know, we have to be honest. We have to be kind. We don't take things from each other. But getting to practice with other people who are acting in those ways, speaking in those ways, um, committed to the precepts, it's no small thing. If it's hard, we do it together. 
so, you know, for me, um, being, being back, you know, coming back into the world has been just as awkward as I figured it would be. <laughs> yeah, because uh, over the last year and some months, I have really uh, whittled down to the people who get me and accept me and know me. You all included. And so now, you know, and that feels really good. Um, but it's time to step out and uh, be with people I don't know that don't know me. Uh, and so having, having you all in this kind of shared framework that we, that we have, that we utilize, uh, that's, that's the together, that coming out of this kind of shell of, you know, the pandemic, that's what's making it easier for me, knowing that uh, we're doing it together. As we see each other in our practice and our intentions. And even if I'm not with you, then I can remember that. I recollect it. I know that there are other people with me on the path, practicing in the way that I am. So then I can be a better, you know, human with people who aren't practicing 